Sasuke goes for it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? And welcome to another episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. I'm Billy, and with me is a man that I like as much as Watford's owners do sacking managers. It's Lewis. Damn. Okay. Okay. I see. I see the. I see the little double entendre there. I mean, I say that, but you know, that's exactly what our intro is every week. So you know, we'll make sure to forget that. Anyways, we have a host of topics for you today, including. Zula wanting out at Bayern, having finally said so clear and directly to the media, as well as is a playoff module the way to go for the Bundesliga to make it more interesting? Then we'll swing over to the Premier League, where we'll take a look at the Premier League title race and how it's changed for Chelsea in the last few months. We remember a time where in November we were like, oh, Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. They're, they're first. Yeah, it's going great. Where are they now? All that and more right after this. Shall we start with the, uh, the breaking news from today? Oh, yeah. Who doesn't have a player contradicting what a senior club official has said to the media a day before. So for those of you who don't know, Bayern president Herbert Heine goes out and says, you know, we've made Niklas Zule another offer for the contract. It's up to him to take it or leave it. And Zule comes out and says, well, I'm a little bit confused by this because I've already said no to an offer of 10 million a year long ago. You know, I, it's pretty much sealed the deal for what we already all knew was going to happen, but it's now confirmed. Niklas Süle leaving Bayern at the end of his contract, summer 2022, scot-free for anyone who wants to pick him up. Which isn't bad considering his market value of $35 million if we go by Transfermarkt. I, again, it's that player power thing though, isn't it? It doesn't... It's not that it doesn't sit well with me. It's just the fact that, you know, Bayern essentially made him. Well, you say that, but, you know, he was one of the boys who became a big thing under Julian Nagelsmann at Hoffenheim. Yeah, And then I, Bayern snapped him up at age 21. But that, that's the thing. I think if, if you were, if you watched the Bundesliga, it would have been, oh, Nicolas Uhler's, fantastic but no one was ranting and raving about him they say they were about uh Matisse Delict, for instance well yeah but I think at the time yeah at the time he was for the Bundesliga you're right at the time when he did go, go to Bayern he was you know a known quantity in the Bundesliga and you know one of those up-and-coming center backs but Europe-wide not really um I'd argue before his ACL tear in 2019, he was on his way to becoming one of the best center backs in the world. Now he's just kind of, he's not bad, but he's not, you know, world-class. If we're being honest. 
Yeah, actually, that's the thing. He's 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 strong. He's quick, or used to be really quick. Used to be. He's used fantastic to be. in the air. And it's well, Chelsea and Barca are the two clubs that have been mentioned. But this is a player that, with those leaked texts that we spoke about last season, was sounding out trying to get his agency, you know, get him a move to Spurs. He just wanted out. He just wanted to go to the Premier League at, at some point, you know. And he, th- I think that's still his his preferred target. Um, but yeah, it's not exactly great publicity when you've gone and said, you know, I want out to your agent, and then those texts hit the fan. Ah, it it's hard to say. I mean, put it this way: he was once such a good center back, and now he's just kind of fallen from grace a little bit. Like we have to admit. Around 2018-19, he had a market value of 60 million, which is not anything anything to scoff at, really, especially when we're looking at a center back. Because at the time, the center backs who were commanding fees like that were, you know, none other than Matthias Delict himself. So if we're being honest, he he in his day he was a super center back, but now he's just kind of gone to seed a little bit because, you know, obviously the ACL tear didn't do him any favors. And, you know, I still stand by what I said is that he was one of the better center backs in Europe for his tear, but now it's just kind of a fact of who would sign a Niklas Zule. Probably if we're being honest, a Barcelona in the rebuild might take a look at him, especially if he's free. But then again, he's also said he wants to go to the Premier League which Premier League top team, and he's also stated that he wants to go somewhere where he can compete for titles, which Premier League top team is going to need a Niklas Sula at this point? Well, Chelsea, if they lose Rudiger and Andres Christensen. Fair play. But that's I've the thing, also, right? I've also seen uh, Newcastle if they stay up, which would give you a clear in, you know, indication of where his, uh, where his goals are. Well... Here's the thing, right? He's already said no to Newcastle because he said he wants to compete for titles, which he knows, and anyone with half a brain knows, is not going to happen at Newcastle anytime soon. They'll be lucky if they stay up. Hey, he could That's win the, the championship. <laughs> I think, I'm not sure if a championship is where a uh, national te- German national team player wants to be at. Maybe if you're in the, I don't know, Norwegian national team can be in championship. You know, Serious with the ex- shade thrown there. I was about it. Well, here the, the only reason I said that because is because I read this one article about this one Schalke player who was like, "Yeah, I'm a friend of uh, Erling Haaland's on the national team, but he's playing for the wrong club." Obviously, he says that because you know Schalke Dortmund rivalry and whatnot. But seeing as Schalke are playing in the Bundesliga too, that's what I mean. Anyways, if we're being honest, Chelsea might do well to actually snap up Zula as a replacement for Rudiger, but it's a it's a bit too much of a domino effect, and I'm not sure if Niklas Zula needs some kind of job security. Because if we're being honest, you know, if Chelsea lose Rudiger and Andreas Christensen in the same transfer window, that's not a given either. 
It's also worth remembering Thiago Silva's like 37 now as well. So they'll probably, yeah, if they lose okay, one yeah. of those two, they'll probably be in the market for a centre-half. Nicolas Dula on a free. Yeah, probably. But I mean, if we're going by, you know, what the rumours are saying, at least on Transfermarkt, you know, Chelsea's actually... Okay, egg on my face. Chelsea is at 58% the most likely target for Nicolas Zule in the summer. AC Milan, 29%. Newcastle United, 31%. What's Barcelona at? Does that have blind interest? They're not even on... They're not even listed. Fair enough. But yeah, so... Looks like it. Chelsea the way to go for him. I mean, if we're being honest, Chelsea would do well to snap him up a 35 million uh, transfer fee that they don't have to pay. I mean, if we're going by market value, you know, he's, he's done pretty well at Bayern. If we look at his full spell at the club. I mean, he was, he's, he's really hasn't done, he really hasn't done that badly. You know, he's someone who's also has, he has Champions League ex- experience. He's played a Champions League final. You know, it's, it's at that point where you have to say the, the guy has the experience that Chelsea need. And he's pretty much perfect age-wise because he's in the prime of his career. He's 26, turning 27 at the end of this year. Um it doesn't get much better than that for Chelsea, if we're being honest. The only problem is, if you're saying no to Bayern, 10 million a year, and Chelsea have repeatedly said no to Rudiger asking for 12, oof. Something's going to have to give there, if that's going to work out. Yeah, but sometimes if he wants to leave Bayern, you know, 10 million from Bayern versus 10 million from Chelsea. If he wants out, he wants out. Yeah, okay, fair enough. And if we're being honest, if Rudiger and Christensen leave the wage uh, bill for Chelsea, I think they'll have enough leeway to maybe even say, oh, maybe we do even give Niklas Suda a cool 11 or 12 million. Especially if both we're of talking them... Euros. We're, we're talking Euros here, not pounds. Yeah, but, you know, especially if both those centre-halves leave from Chelsea. Yeah. I'm... what. That that frees up quite a bit. I don't think there'd be any issue with how we'd adapt either. You know, you've seen it before, you know, struggling to cope with the pace that Premier League games are played at sometimes. But he's played in Champions League finals and you know at the top level. Yeah. This isn't this isn't him coming from Hoffenheim. Yeah, this is him coming from arguably one of the best, if not the best club in the world at the time or at this moment in time. Exactly. You know, right now, it's, it's, actually, it's actually crazy to think how Barcelona and Real Madrid have slipped out because now I'd argue that the top three, you could say Manchester City, Liverpool, and Bayern in, in Europe and by default in the world. I, I'm, I'm struggling to argue, to be honest. I mean, I'll hear... I, I'll hear some people say Chelsea, but they're not quite there yet. They need to cement themselves as, like Liverpool, year in, year out, competing for the title, like seriously competing for the title. 
Because if we're being honest, Chelsea, Chelsea have been up there for the top three and top four, but they haven't consistently challenged for the Premier League title in the sense that they're ma- they're just missing out on it year year after year. Or they, you know, they win it some years, but they and they miss out on it other years. Like that's why I say, you know, Liverpool and Man City, they've definitely they've always kind of made up the top two places with with you know some exceptions in the last few years. Yeah, again, I, I fully agree. I think shall we leave Sula and can you just explain the idea that you're gonna talk about? Well it's not it's not my idea. I'd be I know it's not your idea, but credit. you know, I, I think you explained it to me really well the other day. So basically, this is an idea from Michael Reschke, who used to be a, the technical director at Bayern. Um, and then he also went to Stuttgart to become their scouting slash uh, roster manager. Um, and he's now working as an agent, uh, funnily enough. But he basically called the idea into effect that um, the Bundesliga to get more interesting, which I think no one can really argue anymore that the Bundesliga just has become boring because of the disparity between Bayern and the rest of the league. Like that's just, it's just a fact, you know, I'm, I myself as a Bayern fan definitely look forward more to champions league knockout phases than I do to a Bundesliga match. So Bundesliga match is just great to see your, my team play, which is sad if you think about it. But basically what the, the idea is, is that in the years where you don't have a World Cup or a Euros, you have a playoff style format where after 34 league matches, the top four have a kind of final four tournament. And it's based a little bit on, you know, US style um, final fours, you know, in the, um, you know, in college basketball, for instance, uh, for those of you who have an idea of how that's played out, March Madness. Um, But basically the first place, team in the Bundesliga plays the fourth place with the first and second place teams both having um, both having a home game because obviously the or having the home advantage because you know you have to get something for finishing higher and so you have the first versus the fourth place and the second versus the third place and sort of semi-final and then you have a final of the uh, out of the two teams that win those matches for the Bundesliga title in my opinion this has pros and cons but it definitely would help the Bundesliga because we've seen how the DFB Pokal were incidentally for the first time in 15 years, you have a quarterfinal without Bayern or Dortmund. Um, anything can happen. One match is like, you can have a slip up one match, you know, Bayern blacked out for lack of a better word for 90 minutes and lost five nil to a Gladbach team who this year, who this year are nothing short of shit. So I think it's a good idea, but, you know, I would like to get your take on this before I head into my pros and cons list. So first, firstly, it's, it's essentially the championship system just with four instead of six. No, there is four. Fair. That is true. That <clears throat> no, is true. Sorry. No, ignore that. It's basically the championship playoff system then. Yeah. So uh, assuming you'd have this in what the national team, Stay at the what the Olympia Stadion in Berlin. Yeah, yeah, more or less. The the only thing that I, two things I don't agree with. 
So say you have, for example, Bayern win the league or finished first by like 30 points. Yeah. There's an element of unfairness that they shouldn't be rewarded for, for you know, winning every game nearly. That was one of my cons, incidentally. That was the first con on the list, actually, is that the teams who who have performed, incidentally, the team who finishes first and has performed for a whole season still have the element that there it could be snatched away at the last minute. Which I know knockout footballs, you know, you can have big upsets in knockout football, but that, that's what cups are for. Yeah, yeah. The the other one is the in the years that you don't have a World Cup or a Euros. So some years you're going to have the opportunity for Leipzig, who finished third, to win the, the league. Whereas some years it's going to be, nah, well, there you go, Bayern, you, you won by a point or you finished top by goal difference. But because there's no, because there's a World Cup this year, we're just going to give you the trophy and Dortmund don't get a chance to, to duke you out for it. Which I, I think if you're going to do it, you do it every season. You just have more midweek games. Because at the moment, what's the Bundesliga have? What, one? No, nah, they, they, they have a couple, but it's... You have um, English week. Or... <laughs> we, yeah, we have, we, it's, it's not a lot of midweek games. So it's not like in the Prem where you have midweek games. I think, what is it? A quarter of the season? Oh, at the moment, it's left, right, and center, or something like that. You you have midweek games in the prem. It's it put it this way. It's it's not it, basically midweek games in the prem are very very common. There's a reason why in Germany Germany we call them the English week. It's because the Premier League's filled with them. Um, but yeah, you don't have a lot of midweek games in the Bundesliga because you only have it limited to 18 teams, and you have it only, uh, and thus you only have 34 matches. But if there's if there's an issue of what you know clashing with an international tournament, then you just have a couple more midweek fixtures, which would free up two weeks at the end of the season to do. You wouldn't even need two weeks. You could you could do a, a Tuesday and a Saturday. I was about to say you could literally because a final four knockout tournament, you only have a semi-final and a final. Yeah, you need one week. You do it on Tuesday night and Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Now I'm I, so here's the thing, right? So those are my two cons. Is one, it doesn't make sense to only do it some years because it kind of feels like you're basically like, ah, this year, yeah, okay, we'll let them duke it out. But this year, nah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It doesn't make sense in that sense or in that way that you you don't do it every year. So if you do this playoff system, you do it every year. And secondly, yes, if you know you win the league 30 points ahead then well, you'd feel like a right idiot for having tried for a full year to win the league and dominating it for lack of a better word and then still losing it because one match arguably you say if you can perform for a whole year then you should be able to for- perform for two more matches at the end of the year which also makes sense but yeah, there is still a little bit of an element where you're just kind of like, well, if it doesn't matter what I do at the end of the season, so long as I finish top four. But the thing that I would say to counteract that is it, it works in the NFL in the sense that you also, could, you also try and finish top seed 
in your conference and in your division to get a to get you know the bye week in the for in the wild card round so you have to play one last game and there's also debate if that even is an advantage or a disadvantage because this season in the NFL both teams that finished top of their AFC and NFC conferences were already knocked out in the divisional rounds um but that's a whole different story I still think that no, if no one's complaining about it in the NFL, for instance, that, you know, at the end of a season, their records have gotten them to a top seed, but they're not winning it. Then I think it should also be in the Bundesliga. You have the same thing. So I argue that that thing of, you know, unless it's really a thing where you, where you're winning the league by 30 points, I think that argument kind of like, it's not a full blown argument. It's not like where you can say, well, I have no, I have nothing to put in against that. If you know what I mean. Well, I get what you mean. So what would your, what would your pros be other than the fact that it wouldn't, well, there's less, well, chance, would be, of it, less chance of it being a Bayern dominated league. Well, the pro put it this way. The pro first of all, is that you get a lot more people watching the Bundesliga at the end of the season where everyone's like, Oh shit, this is where, it's going down. Like you've got a full on, you've got a week where the whole title is decided and you don't have it where the title is decided, you know, months in advance. Like, you know, when Bayern set the record, having the title decided already in March under Pep Guardiola. Secondly, you know, you, well, obviously ending the Bayern dominance. Well, I say ending it. It just it doesn't mean it's ending it. It just means that there are more teams have a fighting chance. And it also kind of puts the hype up for everyone who's going to go for Final Four. Because right now, there's always a hype to see who gets in Champions League spots. But if those Champions League spots don't only mean who gets Champions League, but also who gets to go into that Final Four tournament, there's going to be so much more hype for the teams who have a chance of finishing top four. So that also adds an element of surprise for, you know, the league and how it could finish. And, you know, at the end of the day, you get two more matches of football. And they're not just, you know, petty league games or it's not even like a relegation playoff. This is one of the one of the top five leagues finishing in a four in a four man tournament, basically. I'd love to see the idea. See, the, the relegation playoff baffles me in Germany. I've said this to you before, because if you're that bad, you finish third from bottom in the top flight, but you're good enough to be third from top in uh, Bundesliga 2. That's incredibly unfair to make you play against. Okay, here's my counter argument to that. Isn't it unfair that someone who finishes third can get knocked out by someone who finishes sixth in the championship? And then, you know, if you're third, you still don't go up. But a sixth place team who has finished sometimes 10 points below you still can go up. Yeah, I just think it just seems a bit, a bit worse because there's relegation at stake or pretend. I know there's potential promotion at stake, but if you lose in the playoffs, you don't get relegated. But if, if, we, if we took it now, Bayern would play Union. That's massive. That's just freaking massive. And Dortmund would play Leverkusen. 
See, and that'd be sick because when is the last time you've heard Union Berlin going for a Bundesliga title? Never because it's their first season. My boy Max Cruz to score the winner at the Allianz. There you go. I don't know. It's a it's a weird one. It'd be an interesting one, and it would be interesting to see if more leagues adopted it in the future. Yeah, I mean, think about it in the Premier League. If if you have this playoff type scenario in the Premier League in La Liga everywhere, you get such a massive falling for all the leagues. Because then in every league, you know that it's going to come down to the last second of the season. So if if we took it from the Premier League, mm. it would be City United at the Etihad oh. and Liverpool Chelsea and Liverpool Chelsea at Anfield. Come on, who doesn't want to see? And then the winner of that, and then the winner of those two goes to Wembley for the final, and then you get the Premier League trophy. That'd be that'd be insane. And yeah, but City fans who are like six points clear or something, however many points clear, would be like, that's not fair. So I don't. Well, yeah, of course you can't. You can't make everyone happy right now. Half the pe- more than. 90% of the Bundesliga is unhappy because they, because you know, there's no, uh, there's no fight title fight really at the minute. And the problem, the, the thing that I can see that I definitely can see. And the reason why I also say it's a pro to do it this way is because yes, you might have this one thing where, yeah, okay. You play really well for a whole uh, season, but then uh, you can get really like you get, you can still lose the title even though you're way ahead. And I get that it doesn't, you know, on the merits of sport. Basically, you say, yeah, that that's really harsh because you can perform so well and you can perform, you can perform way better than everyone else and still have it snatched away from you. But it's all in your hands still. So basically, you win the league by 30 points and you just have to play two more matches and win those two. And if you're winning the boss in the league by 30 points anyway, you should be winning those two matches. And then you get the league title. So that argument kind of falls. Whereas the other thing where people are like, yeah, you know, we should flip the table on TV rights money and say the top team gets the least amount of money and the bottom team gets the most amount of money so they can get a fighting chance. That is BS because everyone's going to play badly on purpose to get more money. Yeah, you try and finish like 16th or something. Exactly. But that's the point. That doesn't happen when you have the playoff system. Because the playoff system, you still play to get to the top four because that means you have a top shot at the final four tournament. And even if you win the league by 30 points, okay, then we go on, we win the semifinal, and then we win the final, and then we win the title. Okay, I'll, <clears throat> I'll be honest. You've sold me on this. And mainly through looking at other leagues that would adopt it. Because if, if we took it into La Liga, my man, we would have Real against Atletico. At the bottom, oh, oh, oh. against Real Betis with the fight with the I don't know what what Spain's national. I mean, I guess you could you put it in the Bernabeu in Madrid. I have it at the Wanda Metropolitana. That's a nice stadium. Yeah, but it's and then in yeah. Serie A, yeah, Inter versus go. Atalanta and Napoli versus Milan. Yeah, that'd be insane. And then you play the final at the San Siro or what will be the whatever the new San Siro. Wow, the Olympic Stadium in Rome. Yeah, okay, I can see that too. Capital City. But, 
Exactly. And I mean, we don't need to do we bother with the league, uh, because you know, I mean, I'm tempted to say no, but we've done the other four. Yeah, I'll get don't worry, I'll get it up. I'll get it. I'll, what is what I'll is it? Let me, the, let me guess. Uh, I can't remember the PSG, it'd be PSG versus Strasbourg in, in Paris and Nice versus Marseille in Nice. Again, you probably pit PSG to win that one still anyway. Yeah, okay, but that's because the, uh, the rest of the French league is just that bad. Mm. It's not Bundesliga or Premier League related. Uh, but but uh, I don't know whether you've been following AFCON and their ridiculous inflexibility. Oh, come on. The referee, the, the referee who finished it on 85 minutes, although we have since heard that it was a medical condition so i think it's a little bit harsh to bash him for that uh so uh comoros all three goalkeepers are out with covid oh so they have to put a they have to put a field player in they're they're playing they're playing against cameroon with a with a an outfield player in goal and they're now down to 10 men so i think that's time to switch that off and uh get on with our day That's ridiculous because well, apparently I saw this they... thing on Instagram that kind of just bashes the African Cup of Nations, which I think is a little bit unfair because there are some talented players who have come out of Africa. But on the whole, that tournament just yeah, it... there are some talented players that have come out of it. But that that it's not bashing the players; it's bashing the organization and officiating of it. <laughs> it's it's just all over the place. It's done. <laughs> it's, it's run worse than a game of World Cup singles down the park. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Jesus. I, I could rant for Jesus hours. Christ. Let's leave the Bundesliga. Yes. And let's talk Premier League. Salah. Well, we've kind of already talked about the top four in our little uh, debate over the playoff scenario. And I'm happy that I've sold you on this. But, I mean, we okay, we have to start with the fact that Southampton ended City's unbeaten run of 12 games. Ralf Hasenhüttel appears to be the freaking death of all big team players, uh, big teams. The guy, every time there's a big upset, it seems that it's Southampton. Like, ever since Hasenhüttel's left the Bundesliga and gone to coach Southampton, it's some big six team that fall to them. Well, they also got a point off of them in September as well. Which is funny as all hell. And that leaves City still nine points clear of Liverpool. But we have to take a look at this because Chelsea, you know, at the beginning of the season, and I'd say for the first 10 match days of the season, Chelsea were nothing short of brilliant. They, they conceded like three goals in 12 matches. It was insane. And then all of a sudden now they've had this complete drop-off. If you look at Chelsea's last five matches, they won against Tottenham all well and good. Tottenham are crap anyway. But they've drawn to Brighton, lost to City. Okay, that's fine. Drawn to Liverpool, that's also fine. But drawn to Brighton again? Danny Welbeck's going a late winner. At the bridge, limbs, deaths in the Brighton have, Bright, Brighton took points off of Chelsea both times. That's insane. 
Yeah, but both times they were good and for just, those points. Arguably should have got more. Yeah, and that, and that's what I mean. As well as you know, Burnley took out took points off off Chelsea in November, and you know, United took points off Chelsea, and United at that point in November weren't as good as they are now. Michael Carrick's West uh, Ham. West Ham won against Chelsea. Oh, well, know, that comical! They, that comical goal from. I can't remember. Su- was it Sufal when Mendy just palmed it into his own net? And I, uh, I don't know. Hold on. I don't yeah. buy the excuse that it's because both fullbacks or both first choice fullbacks are injured. I don't buy that. And I drew to Everton. Drew to Wolves. Whoa, there have been some. There have been some mishaps there. And I'll tell you what. Against Arsenal, I could even see them uh, slipping up because Arsenal aren't as bad as everyone thought they'd be. They're above Spurs now, albeit on goal difference. But still, they're sixth. Yeah, but Spurs have played a game. That's the thing. This this table at the moment is ridiculously... Oh, I was about to say, if you look at the games that they've got, City have a game in hand on Liverpool. Chelsea have two. Chelsea have two games more than Liverpool and are, are one point behind them. And United are two games behind Chelsea. See, but yeah, look, they're still nine points. Still you nine look at that, Burnley are rock bottom, but they've played four games less than Norwich, who are 17th. Yeah. And Watford are second to bottom, and they've played two matches less than Norwich. Even Newcastle, who are 18th, have played a game less than Norwich. Yeah, but I but think all, you... of, all of us are collectively hoping that Burnley get a few wins out of their four games in hand and put Newcastle back down to second from bottom. Uh, it'd just be so funny to see Newcastle go down to the championship after they get the Saudi takeover. Come on. That'd just be great. And you'd love Brentford to stay up as well, wouldn't you? No, no. I've gone massively off Brentford after Thomas Frank's recent uh, behavior. Uh, okay. I used, I used to think he was kind of cool, like that sort of cool uncle. Like, why can't you know you, you talk so well? And no, he's just a massive prick. Does does this have anything to do with his uh with his interview about a certain team and a certain player? Uh, yes, and it was just further cemented by his actions after they lost to Wolves. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm not I'm not expecting it to be public knowledge that Jaden Sancho is at a funeral, but he the fact he's not in the squad should not be a, you know your excuse for Brentford not being able to finish because in that first half they could have quite easily have been four 0 up but they weren't because you know uh, Christian Norgard can't finish from three yards. And it's like, oh, you know, Brentford, little Brentford, the smallest club in the Premier League. You're not. You've got a plush new stadium. <laughs> I love the fact that I've now triggered you into a full-blown rant. Sorry. It's a- great. This is, this, this is going to put the views up. <laughs> if anything, Burnley, the smallest club in the Premier League. So Ooh. shut your mouth. Calm, breathe. A nice little PC I think, uh, into that rant. I think we'll leave top four because until the games get played that are in hand, I think it's difficult to make any decision at all. 
I was about to say, even Liverpool having a game in hand on City will, I mean, you know, they win that. They're only six points off of City and that's, you know, still doable. They've still got places as well, so that could be massive. Oh, yeah. but I well, That'll be one of those league finals again. You know, you'll have it. When, when do they play City? Do they, I hope they play them in like April or May. They play City on the 9th of April at the Etihad. Oh, that's sick as well, because that could that could definitely, definitely end up being one of those league finals that, like, you know, those kind of a little bit early, but still, you know, the deciding match. Like, you know, Bayern Dortmund when we had the restart after COVID in 2020. Well, the first lockdown. Yeah, that seems like so long ago. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You do realize that by come May this year, we'll, be, we'll have been doing this podcast for two years. Time is a son of a bitch. <laughs> I think that should be the title of this episode. Yeah, <laughs> fuck it. Why not? Let's get back to the Premier League because I wanted to talk about Watford. More specifically, they sacked Claudio Ranieri after three and a half months in charge. What the hell are they going to get now? Like, there is no one, no one on the, on the market. Fabio Cannavaro is currently two to one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What was his last uh, managerial job? I'll be honest, Lewis. It doesn't make for for uh, good viewing if you're a if you're a Watford fan. Um, the other one that's been linked, Frank Lampard, if Ooh. he doesn't get the Everton job. Um, so teams managed. He was assistant at Al Ali. Um, then he was at Guangzhou, Guangzhou Al Nasir, Tianjin, Guangjin. So he's managed no one. at Guangzhou. And in 2019, he was the manager of China. So he's managed no one. Pretty much. I don't want to he's be fluent in Mandarin, but he went national he, team. He, or, he, so basically he's 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 fluent in Mandarin, but he's he's managed no one. He's he's he can he can uh, organize a team in Mandarin, but that team is akin to a Sunday pub team. No offense to the Chinese nationals. Uh, I mean, they're not like a Chinese, like a Sunday league pub team because the Sunday league pub team are allowed tattoos. Goodness gracious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw that and I had a question. It was, what if you've already got to imagine having like the Lionel Messi of China being ridiculously good for the Chinese national team, but being covered in tattoos? Are you just not allowed to be picked anymore? Are no, you they basically... They, they quote unquote recommend you remove your any existing tattoos if you would like to play for the Chinese national team. I'll just get one on my forehead. <laughs> what I'm with stupid, it's spelt wrong, <laughs> or no, and then to match the no regrets around the collarbones, oh, no regrets. There you go, shocking, but. So yeah, Fabio Cannavaro is two to one. Lamps is four to one. I doubt Rafa would get it, but the thing is, right? So okay, sorry, but Rafa Benitez is almost the best choice because he's one of those managers who, you know, you you're not taking too much of a chance on him because I'm I'm sorry, but if you're getting a Frank Lampard or a Fabio Cannavaro, both have not 
proven themselves to be successful managers by any stretch. Frank Lampard managed Derby quite well and then ended up flopping at Chelsea. Cannavaro has never managed a team worth talking about. I, yeah, well, Rafa, you know, did come back up with Newcastle. So Exactly. Rafa's come back up with Newcastle. There. He's a proven quantity. Yeah. But I, I want your opinion on this. So uh, they were bought by, I'm going to butcher this. It's not. Is it Pozzo? Pozo? Italian Who? owners. I think it's Pozzo because it's two Zs. Uh, they were bought in 2012 by Italian family whose you know, name we're to... Uh, Spell it out. Spell it out. P-O-double-Z-O, which I think is Pozzo because it's two Zs. It's Pozzo. There we go. <laughs> With the hand movements as well. So the, the hand movements can't, they, they can't, they can't be missed. They were, bought by the, they were bought by the Pozzo family in 2012. Yeah. Uh, they then sacked Sean Deitch, who has spent 10 interrupted years as Burnley manager. And they are now seeking their 15th manager in that period. <laughs> That's almost more managers than Schalke have had in the same period. Well, it's, it's over <laughs> a manager a season. So, so basically, if you're going to manage that job, you basically know that you might as well only rent a furnished apartment. You might as well just get a hotel. I was about to say, you're only going to be there for about three to four months anyway. Tell them to pay it, and you're living out of a hotel for three or four months. But this isn't, this isn't sustainable. <laughs> well, obviously not, but look at, where, look at where Watford are on the table. You see how sustainable it is. This is their first season back up after they were in the championship for a couple so, of yeah, years. Uh, so they're currently operating at a rate of one and a half managers a season. So it's a solid, solid statistic. <laughs> I think, oh, right, I saw this uh, the other day. So you know they they beat they beat United four one. Okay? Yeah, and since then uh, they lost four two to Leicester, two one to Chelsea, three one to City, two one to Brentford, four one to West Ham, one nil to Tottenham. They drew one all with Newcastle. And they were beaten three 0 by Norwich, so who are a direct rival in staying up. And you know, as a result of that win, are now out of the relegation zone. Oh, that's not good. That's not good. I mean, I mean, they're getting two. They're they're catching two goals. They're on average two goals against them every match, and they're only scoring one point one. Well, it was interesting because after Benitez was sacked, uh, Ranieri was asked about, you know, he put out a statement. And uh, last, literally, I think it was a week ago today or a week ago tomorrow. uh, That's football. Maybe you're not used to it in England, but in Italy, they change managers like they buy ice cream. (laughs) And, you know, it's kind of funny. Maybe not funny, poetic, that he was the next one to get the sack. Yeah, I mean, it, how funny would it be if they did really get Benitez back in after they've sacked him? It is a ridiculous. I just they're so. How can how can you be so trigger happy as a as owners of a football club? How can you be so? You know, oh, it's not. Yeah, it's not going great. 
but three and a half months is not enough time to do anything. If they had sacked him at the end of the season and they went down, then yeah. But or you know they sack him before the the crunch time of the season, say come March, April, maybe then you can justify it. But now, you know, we're in January, man. Who was it that they appointed again? They had someone. Oh, Oscar Garcia. No, is it Oscar Garcia? They appointed someone twice. And I can't remember who it was. But anyway, it's not important. They've got no idea about how to run a football club. Kike Sanchez Flores. They sacked him in 2016 and appointed him again in 2019. He was there uh, from September. He he was there for three months the second time he was there. So they really are just... it's, It's kind of like a bratty kid having, like, throwing their toys out the pram and having a hissy fit because things aren't going their own way. Like, you must have seen that advert. It's like it's like a Durex advert or something. Oh, no, I know exactly which the, one you're talking about. Yeah, it's about, the yeah. kid that throws <laughs> the stuff on the floor and has an absolute... That is Watford's owners. Oh, Jesus Christ. Funnily enough, like, he's also been saying, you know, that is just the way they do it in Italy. And then, you know, he, he says that. And the club's got Italian managers. It's almost as if he, pre-progr- he pre-programmed his own firing more or less well, before also, he even started the job they also own an italian club as well which i think is udinese yes Probably tri- are they as trigger happy over there as they are in, <laughs> I, dre- I dread to think about how trigger happy they are let's have a look udinese manager history oh no i don't know who the manager of uh Okay, here we go. Um, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> to me, it sounded like there was going to be like, to be fair, they're not as bad. Ah, uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we're talking, you know, Julio uh, Val- Valazquez, July 2018 to November 2018. Oof. Uh, Igor Tudor. Twice, uh, April 2018 to July 2018, uh, and then March 2019 to November 2019. So, yeah, they really are spoiled children. Jesus Christ. If you want to do well, buy a better football club. Don't buy Watford and Udinese. Udinese haven't been good since Antonio Di Natale retired. Oh, that takes me back. And on that note, I think we'll end it for this week. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Like, share, and subscribe. Uh, That sounds about right. To AT Sports News on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where we post daily updates on all transfer and other news as well as match updates from the premier league and the bundesliga and also make sure to head over to google podcasts apple podcasts and spotify for our previous episodes we shall see you all next week but thank you very much for listening keep calm love the beautiful game